One of the most important aspects in getting food to your table often flies well under the radar. Honeybees are fascinating, industrious, and essential. Roughly one-third of everything we eat depends on these hard-working insects, including the biggest single pollination event on Earth that happens each year as spring approaches. Coming up, we'll find out what it takes to keep these frequent flyers on track. Welcome to Redox Grows, an in-depth look at key issues affecting agriculture. I'm your host, Jim Morris, with Redox Bionutrients in Burley, Idaho. This time out, I'm visiting with two of our neighbors, Ryan Razy and Joel Smith of Belliston Brothers Apiaries. And we're talking about bees and all that they do for our world, not only for agriculture, but our food supply as well. So, Ryan, why don't we start with a little bit of history of your company, please? Yeah. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having us. Just a quick history on the Belliston Brothers. It's been around uh, for quite a while. The Belliston Brothers started in the late 40s, bought out a lot of different operations in this area. And then about 35 years later, their sons took it over. And then that's who we got the business from. They they ran a great operation and uh, we learned a lot from them working with them. And we took over the business about six years ago. And been carrying on with their practices and, and, and trying to adapt to just the future of agriculture and, and, and the bees. It was very interesting. I took a tour of your business before we're doing this interview, and it is very diverse. There's a lot of different things you have to keep track of. It was very impressive. Joel, why don't we talk a little bit about where the bees are? So you have more than 4,000 bee colonies, but none are currently here. So where are they? Yeah, currently they're over in California. Every January till March, we take them down and we have uh, all our bees down there for almond pollination. It's just this big, huge move of ours and many other operations in the country. And uh, we just send them down on these semi-trucks. And But you really have to logistically think about how they're going to get down there because you have to make sure they're moving during the day because it might be warm out, and then they have to stop at night, make sure they're nice and cold and everything. And, and then from there, they just continue on the next morning at a certain time so they can get there the next evening, make sure they're all rolling. They're not stopping, you know, in the midst of a big warm spell. Been an interesting time in California during the pollination and throughout the fall, winter, and into spring season with all of the rain. So how difficult has it been or have things been going okay? I know the weather has been pretty challenging in California so far. Yeah, it's definitely been challenging this year. The weather down there has been causing it to where obviously the almonds actually are not able to bud out as quickly and the bees are not able to get out as, as much, but they usually generally do pretty good um, as far as like being able to get out even on some of those cooler days. But this year, it's the bees are uh, they're not growing quite as quickly as they normally would. I was just down there last week and uh, yeah, normally they would just be exploding and, and just really going to town, you know, but, um, but yeah, this year... It's just a different year. It's definitely not a normal year. So, you know, we've been able to uh, do what we can to try and help them. And hopefully they'll get up to back up to Idaho and continue to grow. You made a good point that bees don't fly when it's wet. They don't fly in certain temperatures. What is the sweet spot for peak bee activity and also a healthy hive? It's going to be about 60 to 70 degrees when you have pollen being produced, you know, from the different floral sources. And so that's your peak spot for pollen being produced. And then the bees, of course, can get out and fly 
And then as far as nectar goes and the production of honey, it's about 70 degrees or so. 75 degrees is when those uh, flowers are producing the nectar. So those are the the best peak spots for bees to even get out and do something, you know, and of course be able to fly. They don't like wind, of course, and the cooler weather, like obviously down in California right now. So Ryan, are you tasked then with getting the bees back from California to Idaho? Typically, that's that's what I do. I'm usually down there receiving the bees, uh, spreading them out throughout the orchards. We we have multiple orchards. We have a couple different growers, but they have different orchards that they have us place the bees in. And then the same, going home. So uh, a general rule of thumb for bees coming home is middle to end of March. Obviously, that varies from year to year because of, well, weather, number one, and just how long the bloom lasts. You know, heat affects it this cold the rain everything affects affects the bloom so um, I actually uh, just recently got off the phone with the growers it sounds like it's everything's winding down so I'm getting ready to head down there I'll drive around load them up stage them and start getting ready to load them on trucks and I'll I'll be sending them back to Idaho for Joel to unload and and he'll well, he'll do his best getting them out to our bee yards. It's pretty wet and snowy and muddy, and it can make it pretty difficult to get around. We're affected here in Idaho, too, with with a little bit wetter uh, winter, longer winter, it feels like, and going into spring and just, I mean, we have to use these trucks and and uh, forklifts to get these bees out and dealing with the mud. We're not as, as strong as the previous owners and just could carry them in. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll be, it'll take me a couple weeks to get them all loaded up and, and set up here. And we have some good truck drivers that have been hauling bees for lots of years. Joel kind of was on the point of the logistics of it. And you got to have knowledgeable people hauling your bees. I mean, you got to understand that's our livelihood on these trucks driving and a lot of things can happen i mean we're talking 850 miles from where we're at and a lot can go wrong so we need to have drivers that know what they're doing and we can feel confident that our bees are going to be taken care of in that transit and then once we get them we can receive them and uh, back here in idaho and we can start with our summer work we get them unloaded and they're spread out to our yards we have lots of yards throughout the central valley the burley area and and and, and into northern utah and surrounding and so we spread them out so they're not all consolidated in one area and then we can start taking care of them as of right now it's cold there's nothing blooming yet there's nothing for them so we have to go around and make sure they have plenty of feed you know we have to use syrup to supplement feed and 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 uh, artificial pollens we have to put in the hives to make sure that they aren't uh you know they don't starve and they're staying um healthy until things start blooming our main first bloom is usually dandelions in this area that's their first food source and so until then we're just kind of keeping them alive keeping them healthy once that starts then we're going to start making our splits so from this time last year we lost, you know, quite a few hives, multiple different reasons, and we're kind of at our low point, and we're going to build our numbers back. So we're going to start making our nukes, which is short for nucleus, which is a new hive. We're going to be splitting the hives that made it through. They're big, they're healthy, they're growing, and we're going to make more hives and, and get our numbers back. There is still some pollination work to do. Is that correct, Ryan? During the summer months, we'll we'll pollinate um, canola for seed and carrots for seed. There is also onion seed pollination around here, and we have in the past done red clover seed. And we do the same thing. We, we have to take the bees over to them. It's on a smaller scale, obviously, than the California trip. But yeah, we take the bees over to their fields, place them, and they're in there during the bloom. And, and, and so we can continue on with plants. I mean, it's not... 
almonds aren't the only things. And for us, we come back here and, and get those crops pollinated for our local farmers. How cool is it to be among the participants of something that is so large and so important? Almonds, one and a half million acres in California. It's a multi-billion dollar crop. How does it feel to have a role in all of that? It feels pretty cool. I mean, I very few people, when I mention that I'm a beekeeper, just go, oh, okay, and then move on. I usually have quite a few questions. We all do. Number one being, do you get stung very often? Yes, we do. Some times of the year worse than others, but yeah, we get stung quite a bit. Um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. You kind of get used to it. Uh, like my dad says, I think every bee sting, you lose a few brain cells because you just continue doing it and <laughs> you just keep going. And I have to ask you that too, Joel, because that has got to be one of the number one questions is how many times you've gotten stung. So do you have a, a rough number, would you say? And how do you deal with that whole thing? I don't know about a rough number. I mean, you just kind of lose count after the first, you know, few hundred, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, no, we get stung, yeah, like every day. I mean, when we're out in the bees anyways. You know, you just kind of get used to it. It still hurts every time, of course, right? But I mean, it's like I, I've always told people it's kind of like a carpenter or somebody working with wood. It's just like getting a sliver, you know, and it still hurts, but you just keep keep on going. I think most people have in their head the beekeeping suit. I imagine that is very important depending on the conditions that you're in and how protective can that be in, in your work? Yeah, you definitely would like to have a beekeeping suit on most times. Um, you know, if it's cool outside, the bees are just going to be, you know, upset and a little feisty, especially, you know, like if you're first setting down your bees and stuff like that, sometimes it takes a little bit for them to get used to things. And so they're just a little bit feisty, but you know, you definitely want to have your suit. And um, generally speaking, I'm, I'm wearing a suit. But if it's in the middle of summer and they're out flying, they're not even paying, hardly paying attention to you because they're just super busy, you know, busy bees doing their work. And you can just wear a veil or something minimal. Other beekeeping operations I've seen have smokers. So what is the principle there? How does a smoker help or do you use that? Yeah, we use a smoker most most of the time, for sure. Um, again, if it's summertime and they're busy, they don't really pay attention much. You don't have to use them much. But the smoker is there to actually kind of uh, cover up the pheromones that the bees will produce when, you know, you open up a beehive or something. They're going to produce this pheromone, and it spreads around to the other bees saying, hey, you know, there's an intruder or something like that. But that just kind of masks that pheromone. So the smoker is very important, so it'll keep the bees calm, and then you can do your work and help the bees out with what they need. I'm amazed at the level of science that we're talking about here and also the hard labor that's necessary. So I give kudos to both of you. One of the challenges to a healthy hive is a type of mite, the Varroa mite. How difficult is it as a beekeeper to have to deal with this mite? And I believe it attacks the trachea of the bee? Oh yeah, mites, they're horrible. So uh, just a quick background, prior 1987, we didn't have Varroa. Um, they came from overseas, um, from the Asian bees. And then once they started getting noticed in America, we started scrambling like crazy. A lot of, lot of dead bees, people losing hives, not knowing what was going on. It was, so, it was new to us. And so we had to adapt. And it's still, I mean, from then till now, it's, it, it's the main topic we talk about constantly and it's usually right around like fall time at the end of the season because you feel like your bees are doing so good all season long and everything's going good you got to be into the bees a lot you have to be out there you have to see what's going on because sometimes the the effects of the mites don't show up right away 
So you're constantly looking in the hives and you're looking for signs if if the mites are getting out of control. I mean, we, we, we have to stay up on our treatments to keep the mite levels down. So one, they can weaken the hive. And then the diseases they carry, it just comes hand in hand. So all of a sudden, there's there's lots of different diseases. There's deformed wing virus. There's uh, you know one that most people probably hear is you know I think is a general colony collapse disorder. You start noticing things like that, and sometimes it's too late. Once you start noticing major effects to the hives, you're just fighting fire at that point. And that's our goal is to try to catch these things before it happens. The mites are. Number one topic, any bee meetings we go to, there are long talks about mites and different treatments and new treatments. They're trying to come out to to fight. I mean, you're fighting an insect on an insect. It makes it tough, you know, because we have to, it has to kill the mite, but not kill the bee. And it's it's a struggle. Every year is different. I mean, I think mites are just like any other bu- bug. It's, it's, it's cyclical. I mean, some years the mites do really good, which is bad for us, and some years they don't, and we we do a little better. It's a battle all the time. Well, as a consumer and also somebody who loves ag, I'm really hoping that there's a breakthrough down the road. It's amazing all the work that bees do with pollination and all the crops that are benefiting from it, from cherries to almonds to melons, even seed crops like potatoes and onions. It's incredibly impressive and incredibly important, so I sure hope that there is a solution that is down the road. Another benefit from bees is honey, which is an amazing product, the only known food that has all of the elements needed to keep you alive. In the right conditions, it never spoils. And some studies indicated it can even help with things like depression and anxiety, among many other benefits. So Joel, I wanna ask you, we enjoy honey in so many different ways. Uh, What are the strengths of good quality local honey that you see? I think most people nowadays pretty much know that if you get good local honey, it's gonna help with your allergies because it has uh, different pollens from the area. And then if you're going to consume that, then, of course, your body's going to kind of adapt to those local pollens, generally speaking. I've noticed that even with myself over the past years that I've been in the honey industry and I've consumed our own local honey, it's definitely helped me with my, my own allergies. There's obviously different varieties. You, know, you can get it from different crops and, and different things. But uh, generally speaking, you know, we get like an alfalfa or clover honey. Around here, we get a lot of the uh, rabbit brush that blooms in the fall, you know, August and September, and, and that's kind of a darker honey, um, and it's it has a different taste, but it's still good, and there's a lot of people that try to get specific honeys to just as a kind of a something different that they can put in, you know, to the restaurants or different things like that. My favorite kind of honey is, is definitely more of a clover honey. I usually like a lighter honey, and it just has a good flavor. When I visited your operation, I was really amazed to learn that beeswax is such an important product from the bee. Ryan, tell me about that. They use wax for lots of different things inside the hive. You know, they build their comb. They they can repair things, I mean, with wax or propolis. There's a lot of things that people don't know about what's inside these beehives. I mean, it's, it's amazing. They're amazing creatures, and thank God they do most of the work for us. I mean, they do. I mean, we have to take care of them, but the things that they do we can't replicate not on the level they do and so wax is is just another byproduct it's used for lots of things people use it a lot of crafting you know we get a lot of crafting people that come and buy wax from us we've had people buy wax to put into clothing to to help like make it water resistant i've had people buy it for to make like a 
like a sealant for like cutting boards. I mean, and, and candles, obviously people first, that's one of the things that people go to is, you know, beeswax and candles, but it's, it's, there's a way big, bigger variety of things that wax can be used for. At the end of the day, a lot of work for you guys, but I hope there's a level of satisfaction since bees, honey, beeswax, any number of products are so important. Pollination. Ryan, how do you feel at the end of the day with this work that you're doing? Obviously, it is a job, but it's a very vital job for our world, really. When I tell people that I'm a beekeeper, uh, my wife doesn't like it as much because it usually turns into a long conversation and I get talking and chatting and she's, you know, she's ready to go. And, and I, I can I can be a little long winded sometimes, but I do love talking about it. I love um, educating people on bees and 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 what they do and what we, what we have to do to take care of them. And I love it. My kids love it. I mean, it's I, I, I think my kids enjoy being able to go to school and be like, oh, my dad's a beekeeper. You know, it's it's not super common. And I hope that my boys will like to get into it. They have I mean, we have suits for my my kids and, and even my wife. She's been out in the bees and we'll go out and we'll we'll take a little honeycomb from a hive. And it's awesome. I, I, I really love it. It is a job. It comes with its ups and downs. But I love it. And I feel like we are a big part of the ag community. Sometimes I feel like we're forgotten about a little bit, you know, people don't see all the little white, you know, there's times driving down the road, there's truckloads of bees going down and most people probably don't even know that's what it is. And we're just kind of a hidden part of the ag community sometimes. And I, I love educating people. I get people that are just so fascinated with my job. It makes me feel good. I like it. You know, it's, it's, it's cool to be a part of this in the pollination world and the honey making world. And, you know, the products that we are able to sell to people are very sweet. And Joel, at the end of the day, do you share that feeling? It's a lot of hard work, but there certainly are rewards out there too. I definitely enjoy just the work in general. Again, it is a lot of labor. It really is. You don't just set a beehive out and then it just all of a sudden has honey there. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, but I enjoy being outside. I enjoy being able to watch the bees be able to grow during the summertime. It's like any crop that you would get as a farmer or somebody just doing gardening. You know, your bees are going to grow. And uh, when you're able to go and pop a lid open and see that your hive is doing really well, it's very satisfying. I enjoy it. Well, I really appreciate your time today, guys. That will wrap up this episode. You can go to Belliston Bros Apiaries on Facebook to find out more about their work and redoxgrows.com for all of our podcasts, blogs, product information, and so much more. And you can also email us with any comments at podcast at redoxgrows.com. Tell your friends to follow the show. All of the support is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. 